Yep, it's me again, the old guy. I saw a picture of myself today on Facebook. I didn't like what I saw. It wasn't my Facebook, but I figured out a way to sneak on. I've been checking all of you out lately, so you better be careful. I might post something on your wall. Seriously, I found a secret way on without having my own. By the way, if you ever look me up, I'm really not on Facebook. There's been some people that have impersonated me and put up some pretty raunchy crap. I don't have a Facebook. Just want to make that really clear. But I was using someone else's password to sneak around. <laughs> they gave it to me freely. They told me to use it any time. So I, I thought I'd try to enter the next century and see what Facebook's about. But I sure didn't like seeing myself. You can't stop old age. What can I say? Thought about maybe I should dye my hair a little bit. Maybe black. Just totally black. Then I thought about getting a facelift. And I thought, well, that wouldn't be very authentic. And then I thought about getting some liposuction. <laughs> my pants keep falling down. Because, you know, your belly push it. Never mind. I'm not going to try to explain that to you. At least I'm not wearing diapers yet. But I am the inevitable reminder to you that we are all aging and we're going to die. So that's what I can be for you, a good reminder of that. The rest of you are also good looking and reminding me of how fast my life has gone by. So that's why I hang out with young people. Do you know, it's said of Caesar that he hired someone to walk behind him, telling him, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. It's, it's a good thing to remember, actually, because life goes by at the speed of light. And sometimes we can think to ourselves that we just have so much time and we really don't. We really don't. It's, it's really, really important that we remember that we're going to die, that our lives are going to end. And that the only way to cheat death is to know Christ. And tonight, we're going to continue this series, The Right Way to Live, and tonight is entitled, The Right Way to Live. But it starts with, and you probably, some of you assumed I was going to get to this eventually, the right way to believe. You know, there is a right and a wrong way to believe. There are, there are a lot of things like that in life. I mean, there are things that you can decide to have your own opinion on, and it's really not that consequential. It doesn't really matter. You could have your opinion on this, or on food, or on clothes, on what kind of weather you like the most. But when it comes to what you believe about God, when it comes to what you believe about religion, and when it comes to believing about what you believe, what your belief systems are about the afterlife, whether there is one or not, there is only one right option. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 8, and verse 23, <clears throat> he was speaking to religious leaders and those who were gathered, a large crowd that was gathered outside. But the Jewish leaders had been questioning him. And Jesus said, you are from below, from the earth. I am from above. 
You are of this world, but I am not of this world. That is why I said you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I say I am, you will die in your sins. Now I want to talk about this for just a moment. We're going to spend the whole night on this. But someone came up to me last night and they said this about the first week and they said this about last week. They said, geez, Mark, you know, all you're talking about is how wicked the world is. And all the evil in the world and all the wickedness in the world. Well, there's a reason I was doing that. Uh, The reason I was doing it was not to be negative, but to be honest and truthful about the condition that our world really is in. Because unless you grasp that what the Bible says about mankind, about humankind, about the world, unless you believe and understand it's really true, you're going to miss Christ. You're going to see no need for Jesus Christ. The first great message that was given after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven was by Peter, one of the apostles. Peter was probably 24 years old when he gave this message. He was standing in front of a large crowd that had gathered in Jerusalem. Jews and converts to Judaism. And he said this publicly to them. He said, unless you repent from your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't be saved. And then he turned to all of them and said, save yourself from this wicked and perverse generation. Those words are as much true today as they were then. The world in which you and I live and every human being that you know, including you and I, we have a deadly disease. It's very real and it's very deadly. It's called sin. We've been infected with it from the time we were born. We were born into sin. The Bible says in sin did my mother conceive me. It was not her fault. It was Adam's fault. And through one man, Adam, sin was passed on to us genetically. Every single one of us. And from the time we're little, we're bent. And we have a propensity to go our own way, to rebel against authority, to be non-compliant, to do what we want. And often what we want is wrong, and it can hurt us. And we're that way throughout our lives. The reason that the gospel is so important, the reason that Christ is so important, the reason that Christianity is so important, is Christianity is the only fix for what's killing you and me. Christ is the only solution for sin. The only solution. Hinduism is not. Mormonism is not. Islam is not. Buddhism is not. None of those things have an answer for sin. And none of them represent the Son of God or what the Son of God taught. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. To die in your sins is a very bad thing. Let me share this with you. You either believe or die. Now, the thing about Christianity is that we don't have any command in the scripture, as those from other religions, some you may have heard of, one in particular, in which you either convert 
or they try to kill you. Oh, that's not at all what Jesus Christ does. We have like a cancer already. We already have it and we're dying from it. And the only way we can get rid of it is Christ to be injected with Christ. And if you reject Christ, you embrace death and you will die forever. You don't just, oh, well, Mark, you know, but at least I get to do in this life what I want. Oh, no, you don't. The consequences of what you do in this life last you forever. And you eternally die over and over and over again. Jesus said in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He loved the world so much, even though we sin and we sin and we rebel against God and we go our own way, He loves the world. He loves human beings. And He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would never perish but have everlasting life. For whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, for he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The consequences to rejecting Christianity are horrific. They're horrific in this life, and they're horrific in the next life. Because the only thing that can change you and I from the sinners that we are, from our propensity to selfishness, to self-destructive behavior, is Jesus Christ. And this is what the Bible teaches. And this is what our Testament, the New Testament teaches. And this is what the Old Testament pointed us to, was the Redeemer, the Son of God, the Messiah, who would come. Who would pay God's penalty for our wrongdoings. Sins are wrongdoings. Sin, sinning is doing wrong. Thinking wrong. Acting wrong. Believing wrong. And we will be held accountable by God for our thoughts, beliefs, and actions. And the only way that we no longer get held accountable, but we're completely forgiven and blameless in the eyes of God, is to accept the payment of His Son. And when we accept the payment of God's Son, an amazing thing happens. And I'd like to read to you tonight a little bit from Colossians. And we're going to talk tonight a little bit about, so what is the right way to live? We have to start with Christ. Christ is the head of the church, which is His body. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And by Christ God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you. You and I, who were once so far away from God, you were His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now He's brought us back as His friends. He has done this through His death on the cross, in His own human body. As a result, He has brought you into the very presence of God, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. That's the extraordinary message of Christianity. And that's where we start. That is not the message of Hinduism. 
That is not the message of Mormonism. It is not the message of Islam. It is not the message of Buddhism or multitudes of other religions. They are not centered around Christ, God in the flesh, died for our sins, rose from the dead, shed his blood so that you and I can be completely forgiven and made right in the sight of God and stand in the presence of God, totally holy and totally blameless, even though you and I know We both still make mistakes. God no longer sees those. God sees us in His Son. And that's what separates Christianity. There are many religions that teach a sense of similar morality. And in that way, you could say there are some tenets of the major world religions that are the same. But that's where it stops. They do not agree on the person of Jesus Christ. They do not agree that we are all sinners doomed to die for all eternity unless we turn to the Savior of the world. This is what the Bible teaches. And we must start with this belief. Jesus said, this is the work of Him who sent me, to believe on Him whom He sent. To believe. We can trust the words of Jesus Christ. We can trust his message because he lived a sinless, perfect life. Jesus proved and validated his deity through his miracles, which were seen publicly by tens of thousands of people. Jesus rose people from the dead. Jesus prophesied and predicted himself that he would be raised up on the cross. That he would die, be buried, and on the third day he would raise. And he did. He walked on the earth for approximately 40 days, 40 nights after he raised from the dead. And these disciples who were cowering after Jesus had died and they didn't know what to do and they were all young, very young. They saw the risen Christ and they went everywhere and almost every one of them suffered martyrdom. Horrific, torturous deaths because they'd seen the risen Christ and they knew the truth of the message and they went throughout the Mediterranean world, both the Arab world and the Jewish world and the Greek world and multitudes of people embraced Jesus Christ and lives were changed. When we come to Christ, Christ comes and lives inside of us. There was a religious leader, he came to Jesus in John chapter 3. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is none good but God. In other words, if you're going to call me good, I'm God. There is no good apart from God. What must I do? Tender the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born again. You and I were born once. And you can trace our lineage, every one of us, no matter what race we are, no matter from what part of the world we come to, you can trace our lineage back to Adam and Eve. First man, first woman. And they sinned. They broke God's law. And they genetically passed on that sinful nature to us. And the world has never been the same since. As Cain killed Abel, there are murders all over our world. There is genocides in almost every century. 
Christ changed that. The second man came. God's second man. Jesus Christ. The Son of God. And he died for our sins. When we come to know him, we are born a second time. We're born spiritually. On the inside. And Christ comes and lives inside of us. And he changes us. And he gives us a new way to live. And what God is doing across the world. And this is very important that you understand this. He is creating from the nations of mankind, of humankind, a new race. A new nation made up of black, white, red, mulatto, yellow. Does not matter your background. All that matters, and we'll read this tonight in Colossians, is Christ, Christ in you. Whether you're male or female. Whether you're from Ethiopia or Australia. It does not matter. The Bible says God is making a new nation, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. And so from this whole world in which you and I live, God offers his gift of salvation to every single man, woman, and child, irrespective of what they've done or what they will do. And any man or woman or child, young or old, who embraces Christ, who says with their heart, with the heart, the Bible says, man believes unto salvation. Humans believe to salvation. And with the mouth, they speak it. And when they do that, they become one of God's children. And that offer is open to anyone. Open to anyone. There is no race that has an advantage. All races are welcome in the kingdom of God. But the door, the door is Christ. And if you don't come through Christ, you don't get in. Just like we have laws in this nation. Just like every nation has laws. They have a right to make laws. God is the ruler of the universe. God is the ruler of eternity. God is the ruler of heaven. And he did all the work. And he sent his son. And he put all of your sin on that son. And that son, Jesus, paid for all your wrongdoings. And God is telling you, if you want to live forever, if you want to be in my family, if you want your life to have meaning and significance, if you want what you've been searching for, it's in my son. And it's free. You don't have to do anything to get it. Simply believe. Believe in your heart. So we pick up in the book of Colossians chapter 3 and we read this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your heart, your mind on things above where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let eternity in heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about the things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Now I want to break this down a little bit, talk to you about it for a moment. God is telling us, when we talk about the right way to live, the first thing is to get our mind in the right place. To get our mind in the right place. You look around the world that you and I live in, and there are distractions everywhere we look. There's New cars, there's new toys, there's new electronics, there's all kinds of entertainments, all kinds of things to do with our time and with our life. The Bible tells us 
Jesus, in the words of Jesus in the Gospels, he tells us this. He said, he told the parable of the farmer who sowed his seed. And the parable was an allegory representing the sowing of God's truth, of God's word. And then he goes on to describe how the seed didn't grow because some weeds grew up around it or someone came up and pulled the seed up or the seed didn't go very deep. Its roots weren't very deep. And one of the things that he describes is the weeds that grow up and choke off the word in our life. And he says this, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for nice things and the worries of this world choke the word of God in our life. And this is what Paul is getting at. When he writes in Colossians, get your mind on an eternal perspective. Keep your focus. Remember why you're here. Remember why Christ left you. Remember where your life really is. And the things here don't matter like you think they do. The accumulation of things does not matter. It's so easy, you know, to see in our society today. You don't have to look very far. Sometimes in our own extended family. To see how we maybe have family members or friends that live their life for one purpose. They, they They look like they're happy. Most of them are in debt way over their head. With credit cards, they have two or three cars. They have a nice home. They got the nicest, newest TV they can have. They have things. They fill their life with things. Because they've believed the lie that a man's life or a woman's life consists of the things they possess. Jesus said the opposite. Real life does not consist of a man's possessions. But that's not the American way of life. The American way of life is one that is driven by consumerism. And every ad on television is intent on causing some awakening in you to desire that which is being sold. We're almost like the little rats that just hit the feeder bar. We don't ask anymore. It's a big old fat rat. Do I need it? Do I need it? Do I need it? We're just so trained to hit the feeder bar. And so we have made... Not that there's anything wrong with getting the things you need, but we have turned shopping into a national pastime. We've spent, we've, we've, we've put money, spending money, turned it into a national pastime. And so instead of learning to be content with what we have and living below our stream of income and staying out of debt or, you know, especially frivolous debt, we constantly have the stress gun to our head, wondering how we're going to make it. Because we bought into the lie. And Paul is writing, he says, look, get your mind on eternity. Jesus said to his followers, work for eternal reward. Lay up treasure in heaven, not treasure down here. Right now, today, I don't know if you know this, but the last several days, there's been a lot of people that lost a lot of money. A lot of money. The euro's falling. Greece is in an uproar. Tens of thousands of people protesting in the streets. The euro is probably going to fall apart. The European Union is held together by the euro. Our stocks are falling now. The stock market today is where it was 10 years ago. And it's a lot of people very frightened, very worried. And, and to be frank with you, you should be concerned because we've, those who lead us, And it has been both Republican and Democrats over the years have made really pathetic decisions and policy decisions. And we're going to have to pay the piper. And there's some very difficult days ahead. I would strongly encourage you to get your own personal financial house 
in order. Get it in order. But remember this and remember the words of Jesus. He said to the very followers that brought us the epistles. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Do you see the lilies of the field? They neither spin nor sow and yet God clothes them. Does he not care much more about you? Oh, you of little faith. For the pagans run after these things. The non-believer, you see, the non-Christian, they're consumed with, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to live? What kind of car am I going to drive? This is one of the reasons why car companies can keep putting out, putting out one car after another after another. You know, I read today there are 270 million cell phone users in the United States. Last time I knew there was about 280 million people in the United States. Last year there was 3.7 trillion minutes spent people talking on cell phones. Now they're considering banning them in cars because they're finding out, read a study today, in case you wonder how dangerous they can be. They did a study with a bunch of college students and they found out, they found out the exact reason why people are bothered in public places by cell phone conversations. Because you only hear half the conversation. And when you do, it causes your mind to concentrate far more on trying to guess what the other person's saying and you're bothered by it than if you heard the whole dialogue. They studied all these students and realized they could do these tests with people two talking together, but when it was only one, they consistently failed the test. And now you got people that are texting and driving and it's as dangerous as driving drunk. So we got people dying because of them. And, you know, people, people think it's really improved their quality of life. And I don't want to make too much fun of cell phones tonight, but um, I've done it before. But, um, you know, I hear a few people say, oh, I love having a cell phone because if I run to the grocery store and I forget something, I can just go home. Really, what happened to a list? I'm just thinking to myself, what happened to a list? What happened to learn to plan ahead? See, now we no longer plan ahead. We just pay $72 a month or $105 a month or whatever your plan is so that you don't have to plan ahead and you can just call from the grocery store. I mean, there's a whole lot of uses. There's a whole Our way of life has been changed by the cell phone. Now, a lot of you need them for your business and a lot of you haven't really go to the airport now. There's hardly any even pay phones. I realize now it's a way of life and I'm a dinosaur and it's changed and it changed right around me. And it's OK. I want you to know it's OK. But what I'm trying to illustrate is that the world never stops and they keep creating more and more things that you need, that you need, that you need, that you need. And our life often without even realizing it becomes filled with things and possessions. And Paul is saying, hey, I want you to stop. I want you to remember eternity. Remember what you're living for. Remember this. Remember this for just a moment. Maybe, just maybe, if you got a different cell phone plan, that extra $50 a month go to support a missionary that's trying to reach the gospel, others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, maybe that $5 latte that you've gotten so used to, or that frappuccino the guys were joking about, or that espresso, all of a sudden, wait a minute, there was a world before Starbucks. I lived in it. And do you understand what's happening? All of these little expenses, they rob you of what you could have given for the cause of Jesus Christ. And many of them, not all of them, are completely unnecessary. But you think, I can't live without them, Mark. You don't understand. I can't live without them. And so you're no longer able to be generous. You're no longer able to finance the kingdom of God's work. 
because you're addicted to things and you forgot eternity. You forgot eternity. You forgot eternity. And it's a very practical way in which we lay up treasure in heaven by using our time and our resources to lay up treasure in heaven because we remember that it's people live forever. And they either die and spend eternity with Christ or they die and spend eternity in a place the Bible calls hell. People need Christ. People need Christ. All across this country, all across this country, churches are regularly underfunded. You know why? Because the people of God have forgotten eternity. They forgot eternity. And they're underfunded. And they have to cut this in their budget that they need. And this, and they have to lay off staff. People are trying to serve in the kingdom of God. Why? The average Christian in America gives a penny of every dollar to God. They don't even come close to tithing. A tithe is a dime of every dollar God gave you. If that were to happen in this country, first of all, you would experience things in your life that God promises when you give to him. Secondly, we would see probably an unbelievable revolution of Christianity if we as Christians got our priorities straight and we started to live for eternity. We started to live for eternity. Then then he goes on to say this. So put to death the sinful earthly things that lurk in you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life, for that is idolatry. And God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You used to do them when your life was still part of this world. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, and malicious behavior trying to hurt others, slander others. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old evil nature and its wicked deeds. Well, there you go, those two words, our evil nature and our wicked deeds. In place, you've clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ. You see, it's renewed as you learn more about, more about Christ. If you don't keep learning more about, more about Christ, your new man weakens. Doesn't die, but it weakens. You see what it says there? It says, don't be greedy for the good things of this life, for that's idolatry. We are one of the greatest, if not the greatest, idolatrous nations in the world. If you were to travel to India, Bombay, or one of the countries, you would see lots of idolatry, lots of literal idol worship. In America, idol worship all revolves around money. We want more, we want more, we want more, we want more. And we worship, in essence, the good things of this life. You know what it means to worship? It means to to give your energies to. Most people, most people, there are many, who are working simply to put food on their table and pay their rent and simply provide the necessities of being able to live. But really, American way of life is way beyond that. It's way beyond that. A few weeks ago, somebody came up to me and said, why were you talking about sex all night? Because the Bible talks about the destructiveness of the wrong kind of sex. And it's everywhere in our world. It's everywhere. In fact, 
multitudes of things are sold based on sex sensuality. The Bible doesn't tell us that sex is wrong. It just has nothing to do with sexual sin. There are sins related to sexualness. But sex in itself, in the appropriate place, in marriage, is not sin. Impurity, lust, lust doesn't have to do with just sin, but we want what we see, we want more, we want more, we want more, we have to have it. We want it. It's amazing, I've got to say this, I know, I'll, I'll get flagged for this, I'm probably going to get flagged for a lot of this, but that's the way it is when you try to share the truth. But one of the interesting things about eBay and Craigslist, one of the things I love about the world we live in is that sinners are never content, so you can pick up great stuff cheap. <laughs> it's, it's an unbelievable thing. I mean, I had a friend recently who got a phone, hadn't even been opened in the package because the guy got it just to say he had it, and he even explained this to my friend, and he said, but the new one came out three months later, and I want that one. So we sold it, new in the box. We just have to have. We're a nation that just has to have. It's called influenza. Or affluenza. This affluent society we live in. And what's happened as a result is we, 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 it's not just our government. It's individual people have practiced terrible financial habits. We have terrible personal financial policies. And we're in debt. We have nothing saved. We're not saved for a rainy day. We're not prepared. We don't pay as we go. We go into debt as we go. And it's very destructive because the Bible says the borrower becomes the lender's slave. And whoever you're in debt to, you're enslaved to. But we're to be slaves to God. And we're to present our members as members of righteousness. You see, to serve God. But when our desires get out of control, they take over our life. And we become enslaved to those desires and then to the lender themselves. They have power over our life. And then the Bible tells us to put these things to death. Put them to death. This is something I have to work on. I want you to know this. I have to work at this every day. I have to work at this every day. I, it's not like, you know when we come to Christ? Christ is a one-time deal. You come to know Him, He's in you, He's never going to leave. But as far as that daily walk that you have with Jesus Christ, there's things that can come up every single day that can make me angry or frustrated or bad things can come out of my mouth. And I just have to fight with Mark every single day. But I keep fighting. And sometimes I have to figuratively smack him in the mouth. And you say, that's pretty brutal. Actually, the Bible's more brutal. It says, kill him. <laughs> I wrote above this in one of my Bibles at home, kill or be killed. This is, this is the way it is. It's either kill or be killed. You either kill those desires and keep killing those desires, or those desires will kill you. And it's very important that you understand that. Your mouth can be your undoing. You don't learn to control it. You don't learn to use it for godly purposes. It's going to ruin relationships. It's going to ruin your reputation. It's going to ruin your job situation. I have to fight with my mouth every single day. For the last 35 years since I came to Christ, I have to fight it and fight it and fight it and fight it and apologize, apologize, fight it, fight it, fight it, keep putting it to death. And then what I have to do secondarily is put on my new clothes. Put on my new clothes, the new nature. And I'm going to get into that next week, exactly what that is and how important those clothes really are. 
Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, we just thank you tonight that Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He changes lives. He saves lives. Lord, I recognize that the message, it's not popular in the world we live today. It's not politically correct at all to say that Jesus is the only way. And in some countries we live in the world, we were to say that, we would be executed. But it's the truth. And it started with you. They executed you. You said it and they executed you. But you didn't stay dead. You rose from the dead. And so will we. So will we. Not because we earned it. Not because we killed ourselves. But because of the unbelievable merit of Jesus Christ and the favor of God and the gift of God. Help us, Lord, we pray. Help us to be obedient Christians. Help us to choose to live and think the right things and live for the right purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.